Hello, thanks so much for tuning in to our podcast. I'm Michael Grant, Senior Pastor of Faith Worship Center International right here in Columbus, Georgia. Today, I'd like to share a word straight from God that's just for you. I hope you're prepared. Grab your pen, paper, your tablet. Most importantly, grab your Bible, your sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And let's prepare to take notes on what God has to share with you on today. I'm excited for you because you're about to grow to a greater place of faith in God. Let's tune into the word. Amen. Turning your Bibles to the book of John, chapter number one. We'll talk along a concept that John expressed in verse number 14. I'd like for us to read it together so that we can kind of be one body, one force. And uh, on the count of three, if you have your Bibles, queued up to John chapter one, verse 14. Let's see what the word says. Matter of fact, I tell you what, I want to read verse one and then I want to read verse 14. Can we do that together? One, two, three. In the beginning was, uh-huh, and the word was God. Scroll down to verse number 14. Ready? Read. And the word was made flesh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Full of grace and truth. In the beginning, before any of us were a thought, the word was. And God saw fit that through the corridors of time, he would release his word, which was spirit. You know, the Bible tells us that God is spirit. Same John testifies of Jesus in John 4, that God is spirit and they who worship him must do so in spirit and in truth. So if God is his word and God is spirit, then his word is spirit. His word is not tangible, right? And so if you're accustomed to believing in what you see, you might miss the word. If you're accustomed to believing only what you hear, you might miss the word. Because in one moment, I cannot speak the full utterance of what the word is. Because the word is the word, is the word, is the word. The apostles say, behold, he comes in the volume of the book. So there's so much to him that we cannot limit him to the even English language. I speak English word to those who don't understand English. The word is of none effect to them. I'm setting you up today because I want you to see that this word, this spirit, is far more potent and powerful than what we give it credit for. That this word that we know as God is far more able, omnipotent, all-powerful than we even can fathom in our minds his ability. He is his word. And yet when we read that passage of scripture, especially in December, we often kick our minds straight to, you know, the holiday season. We think about the word being made flesh Little baby Jesus in a manger. We provided the image for you to kind of be in mind of, of what 
this word made flesh kind of puts us in mind of during this time. Now, a lot of, a lot of families, they don't even think about the, the word being made flesh around this holiday season. They just think about the flesh, what the flesh going to get. <laughs> and y'all got family members like that. They ain't talking nothing about no Jesus. This this me. Um, our youngest son, Eric, his birthday is he was actually uh, scheduled to be born on December 25th. But I guess he said, no, nah, Jesus, you ain't you ain't getting my my treats. I'm getting I'm getting double for my trouble. He says he's born on the 18th, and he's going to get birthday stuff, and then he wants some Christmas stuff. It's just the nature of humanity. We, we, we think external as opposed to eternal. Did you see what I did there? We think external as opposed to thinking eternal. And this time of season, it often makes us think, for those of us who are believers, it at least puts us in the mind of an eternal promise being fulfilled or an eternal gift being given through the embodiment of the word being made flesh. And yet it's important not only to focus on how the miraculous birth of our risen Savior came here, uh, but it's important to focus on why he came. I know when we think about this time of year, we think about the virgin birth, we think about the virgin Mary, we think about uh, Joseph accepting Jesus, even though his wife told him that she got impregnated by the Lord. We'll let that, we'll let that linger to those of you who've had to explain to your family how you was impregnated and, you know, that conversation could only get more, that much more extreme if the Lord did it to you. <laughs> Somebody say, that's a miracle. <laughs> and it was even, even, even miraculous for the wise men to follow a star to be able to locate where Jesus was so that they could bring gifts like gold, frankincense, myrrh. And we dare not forget how the miraculous life of Jesus was spared uh, beyond uh, uh, Herod's jealousy-driven genocide assault that he was placed on the nation of his terrain, saying that any child that was over the eight, two years or younger, would, their lives would be taken, any male child, uh, because he knew that there was a Messiah that was coming that was going to rule. All of these things are things that come to mind when we think of the nativity. And uh, during this time of year, we think about the birth of Jesus Christ. But again, more importantly, how he came, we must always remember why he came. And I'd like to submit to you today that the reason that he came focuses back on Genesis, the first chapter, where God created man in his image after his likeness so that we could be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and he gave us dominion. What a beautiful scenario that God had a son, called him Adam, son of God, and he released him into the earth to be to the earth what he was to the heavens. And yet, Chapter 3 is one of the most heartbreaking chapters in the Bible because this son that God created and gave his authority to to rule the earth like he's supposed, like, like he's, he saw his daddy ruling the heavens. Now we see him giving up his authority and he's in a troubled scenario because now he's been made captive to the thing that he was supposed to rule over. And so we see in this, in this scenario that humanity from that point forward until the word was made flesh Humanity was living beneath its means. God saw fit to fix it by sending his word. The father didn't come. The spirit didn't come, but the word came. 
in this year of the spoken word. That ought to, that ought to speak something to you now. The Bible talks about in, the, in one of John's uh, epistles, he said that there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And so we understand that those three are one, John says. So the Father could have come, but he chose not to. The Spirit could have been sent. And he says, no, I don't, not yet. It's not time for the Spirit to come because I need to release a word because there is government in the word. There's rulership in the word. The word is the logos. It's the second person of the Godhead. He is wisdom and the government of the entire universe. He is the cause of life, both physical and ethical. He is, the Bible says, from the foundation of the world, the word was, and it has forever been settled in the heavens. So if there's anything that is going to concretely make something so, it is the word. Somebody say the word. And in order to fix humanity's demise, God saw fit to send the word or to come as the word in flesh. Now, think about flesh. Flesh is the human body and its nature. You know those urges that you get late at night. It may be something that that you ain't got no business eating or somebody you ain't got no business tweeting. Let, let that linger there in your mind. Those same urges within that flesh, those cravings, those ungodly things that pull you, that draw you, that thing that had a grip on your life, that thing that gripped your mama, that had your grandmama gripped, and what was it not for Jesus Christ would have you grip right now, those urges that pull you away from the plan of God, those things that make you so ashamed that you don't want anybody to know about. The word came and yielded itself to be wrapped in that thing. Somebody say, Oh, what a price. Yeah, what a God who loved us so much that he allowed his word to become, to be made flesh and its perishable, corruptible weakness. And so we got to ask the question, God, why did you do such a such an amazing, such a costly thing? Why would you see fit to do so? And we find the answer very clearly in the word. Because God did not desire to simply have an only begotten son. God has always desired to have sons and daughters. He told Abraham this when his name was Abram. He told him, he said, I can't just have you uh, a half-cocked father. I need you, I need to change your identity. He called you Abraham, father of many nations. He said, look out upon the, the skies, look in the skies and see the stars. As, as the stars cannot be numbered, so shall your seed be. He says, look at the shore of this sea. He says, look at the sand and as it is innumerable, you cannot even count them grain by grain. That's how I desire you to be seen as a father in the earth. Why? Because Abraham was called the father of faith. He was God's justified man. Abraham became the example, almost one would say a type of foreshadowing of Christ or the father who would send Christ so that all of the sons and daughters who were lost, who were dead in sin, could be quickened and made alive and be brought back into right standing with the father. Somebody say he's talking about you and me. 
And so Jesus didn't come merely for us to, to deck the halls with bells of holly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. He didn't just come so that we could give gifts to one another. Jesus didn't just come so that we could post up our nativity scene out in our yard and make people think that we're righteous while everybody else believe in Sandy Claus. No, we didn't, he didn't come just so that we, during this time of year, could remember how he came. He came because he wanted something to be established and the word of God declares in Romans chapter 8 verse number 29 the reason was so that he could be the firstborn among many brethren. The very reason that the word became flesh was so that our flesh could now become his word. Oh man, what do you mean by that? That's impossible because the flesh is corruptible. That's exactly right. But the Bible tells us that when we are saved, it is now in him that we live, that we move and have our being. So our our life is now engulfed. It is submerged in the washing of the water by his word. We're processed more and more into righteousness. The lives that we live should look more and more like Jesus. For goodness sake, don't they even call us Christians? We're like Christ. And so if it be that we're supposed to be like Christ, then there should be less fleshly urges that are being glorified and promoted in our daily living. And there should be more word that's being established in our lives. So we've been called to become bearers of the word. We've been called to dwell in the word. We've been called to to no longer yield to flesh, but to now yield to his word. I know I, I get it. I understand why you're looking at me like that, because the reality is we've been trained to focus on the flesh. Yes, we have. First thing we do when we wake up in the morning, we run to the mirror to see what we look like. Well, you look similar to the way you look before you lay down. Only thing is, your hair ain't as, 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 as nicely uh, kept under that bonnet because you done squished it under the pillow. You might have a little crust on the side of your mouth because you was in that good deep sleep. Come on now. And definitely don't get up in your, in your children or your significant other face talking all fast because you got sleep all over your tongue. We ain't, we ain't told the Lord good morning. We ain't said, Lord, thank you for waking me up. We running to address the flesh. See, we must, we must understand that, that when Christ came, he came to destroy the works of the enemy and he condemned sin in the flesh so that we would not be condemned any longer. That's what Romans 1, 8 and 1 tells us. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in the word, who are in Christ. Let me, okay, let me, let me, let's, let's work a little today out. Let's read a, a scripture to pastor this morning. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. I'll read, you follow. Verse 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus and we know that Christ Jesus is the word the father the word and the Holy Spirit Christ Jesus is the expressed word of God and he's the living breathing second person who was made flesh of the Godhead it says who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit goes on in verse 2 to say for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I am no longer condemned to the flesh whereby sin has been condemned in the flesh because my life is now in Jesus Christ. I live my life according to the teachings of Jesus. Now I want to ask you a question please don't answer. If I were to ask you what did Jesus teach how many of you could truly tell me at least 10 concepts that Jesus taught? 
It would be difficult. Why? Because we read the Bible to understand how we can live a better life. But that's self-gratification. That's flesh gratification. We want to know how we can pull something out of the Bible and, and live a more abundant, uh, uh, financially stable life. We want to pull stuff out of the Bible and see how we could enjoy uh, a life that's not uh, riddled with health issues. And mind you, all of that's entailed in there. But Jesus taught, seek ye first. The kingdom, my ways, my rules, my laws, the teachings that I've established, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all those things are benefits that come. Listen to me. When you get your insurance policy, you know good and time well you don't know all the benefits until something come up. Then you go reading that thing to see if it's included in the package. That's kind of how life is in God. The more you get in relationship with him, you don't even have to read the insurance policy because you have an agent that's working on your behalf who's seated at the right hand of the father making intercession for you when the enemy tries to do A, B, C, or D against you. The intercessor, the agent says not lawful, not able. You're out of your jurisdiction. Why? Because they're in relationship with me. Here's our posture as believers. We must get to know the ways of God more so than we know the benefits that come from living for God. Because when we walk in the ways, the benefits, they happen automatically. Come on, now you don't know how everything works in your car, but you know how to start that bad boy up. And the moment you start it up, you expect, there's an expectation. I put gas in there. We got a brand new battery in there. Had a tune-up last week. You better start. You, I dare you not to. You better start. If I got to turn that thing over and break the key on the inside of the ignition. I'm expecting. Why? Because I know how to make you function. Well, that's what it comes. That's what entails with knowing the word of God, living in the word of God. Stop looking for the benefits and learn his ways, his teachings so that you can live life in the word, not yielded to the flesh. Here's how I know. Can't nobody tell me no different in this modern day, in this modern church. Uh, and I'm not I'm not fussing at the people in here, I'm just talking about the church as we know it in this modern world. Here's how we know that the, the, uh, the church or people who call themselves the church are more flesh-minded than they are word-minded. Uh, we find that in Galatians chapter 5. Your auntie probably called it Galatians because she a gal. Y'all can have I was just joking. Galatians. <laughs> Let's go Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. We're going to go through verse 21. Here it says, uh, well, 18 says, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. But I like it. 19 goes on to say, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness which is just lawlessness concerning sexual sin need I, do y'all do, do you want me to go into depth <clears throat> come on up in here we got more we got more y'all thought I was gonna let it go didn't you we we got more more uh uh pleasure stores on the corner and uh then we got gas station almost. And, and I'm, I'm persuaded that the uh, unrighteous ain't the only ones up in there seeing what they can see. 
I'm in there today. Why? Because but here's what happened. Here's why. Because, see, the word was made flesh so that the flesh could be put in its place and sin could be condemned in the flesh. And we, sons and daughters of God, can be who he's called us to be. You can't serve two masters. Ah. You can't serve your flesh and all your flesh wants and truly honor God the way he desires to be honored. The reason that we don't walk in the fullness of our potential as believers is because we want to be believer on Sunday and on Saturday night. We want to we want to be as lascivious as we can possibly be. Keep your head down and look at your Bible. Look at your mobile device as so that nobody will think that it is talking about you. This is not condemnation. Here's why. Here, here, if, you're, if, if condemnation is trying to grip you, it's because it wants you to focus on the fact that you fail. But the reason that God brings this to your light is so that you can see, oh, I don't have to do that. I don't have to be locked into that. I don't have to be given over to my flesh. Live long enough and it'll stop working anyway. Come, okay, let's, let's keep it practical. How many of y'all used to be able to do a toe touch when you was cheering back in the day? Or do a back bend when you was in the marching band back in the day? If I were to ask all of the same volunteers to come up today, 20, 30 years post uh, uh, phase of life, how many of y'all, some of us even 40 years, could you, would you even dare try to do that same toe touch. Why? Because your body, your body, your body don't want to do it, number one. I'm, I'm supposed to be up here. I'm all down in your six foot space. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm all in your six feet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your body couldn't do it if you want to. You could get back and work out if you want to. Go back in the gym and start working out. I bet you still can't do that toe touch. It'll be a knee touch. That's what you get. Right now, it's a no touch. Huh. But it's a part of life. So, so concerning this less, this desire, and you're not by yourself, uh, saints. Uh, David, bless his heart, King David. They said the way they found out that man was dead was that they laid a nice, pretty young thing in the bed with him, and he didn't, he didn't respond anymore. They said, yeah, yeah, he gone, he gone on. He going on, he, he the upper room when you he's high, high, high. He gone. He gone. He gone, he gone, he gone, he dead. Sleeping in his grave almost. Why, why, why? Why is that such a part of life, y'all? Why is that such a... Because anything the enemy can do to cause us to float Focus on the works of the flesh. He don't care if yours is food. He don't care if yours is pride. He doesn't care if yours is sexual uh, cravings. Whatever, as long as he can get you to serve any other master, then the law of the spirit, then the word of God, if he can get your attention. Listen, this word is so vast. It's so voluminous that it takes undivided attention to be able to truly get the principle, apply it, and so that it can start being active in your life. So you can't, you can't just you know, focus on word on, on Sunday and expect that Monday through Saturday, you're going to be able to dwell, to live in it. It doesn't happen that way. It has to be, it has to be your abode. Watch, your, you, you have to be, 
you have to be, since the word has been made flesh, you have to let your flesh be made word. Can you see it? Works of the flesh, all these things. I'll read them just for your hearing, but you get the point. You get the point. Uh, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, uh, heresies, envyings, verse 21 says, murders, drunkenness. Lord, don't get me to talk about the saints and they look or help us, Jesus. Revelings and, the, and such a life, of which I tell you before, I was, and I told you in times past, you, if you do this, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. You can't serve two masters. And so, and so our, our focus has to get off of flesh, and our focus has to be more word-focused. Here's, here's the thing that amazes me, and I'm, I'm about done. Here's the thing that amazed me. We think that the flesh is more, at, is, is more capable of forfeiting our word posture then the word can overcome our flesh posture. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Oh, I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't do this. Or oh, I can't, I can't, I don't, don't want to. No, we have more of a don't do list as religious people than we have as a do list. Watch. If, if your focus, I'm going to give you an example of this. If your focus every day is to win one soul, right, for Jesus, Everywhere, and I'm not telling you to do this. I'm just, this is somebody said, just an example. If all day long you're looking for somebody to tell about the Lord, that's going to be 24 hours that you are not focused on who you slipped up and cussed at, who looked good in them jeans, or, or who looked good in that tight shirt. If your aim, if your total focus is just, man, I'm, I'm I'm everywhere I go, I'm looking for this one individual that God wants me to share his good gospel with. My, my time is consumed. But that's not how believers live. No condemnation. No offense. But the, most of the time, we find ourselves not trying to look at the booty in them jeans. Why don't look at the booty in the jeans? Because you just ain't supposed to. We don't even know, we don't, we don't even have a, a real relevant reason. It's just because you shouldn't. Why don't drink? Because you, you, sh you shouldn't drink. Why shouldn't somebody who's going to get me, I'm, 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 I'm messing with your, with your religiosity today. Why shouldn't somebody who is intending to get married Go ahead and just be intimate with their spouse because they're going to get married. You just shouldn't. I want you to, I want you. Now look at you. Some of y'all say, yeah, yeah. See, I told y'all I was, I was all right because we were going to get married anyway. That's because you don't know why. But, but if, 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 if you know why too and you focus on what to do, your life is not a list of trying to manage your flesh. Listen to me, believers. Jesus went somewhere everywhere around some of everybody. And listen to me. Y'all can't listen to me now. Jesus was the most powerful man in the world. And one of his closest disciple, female disciples was a loose woman. 
today. The president of the United States, no offense to, to you if, if you know if you if you you know was hoping so bad that he would be in office. I ain't got no, this ain't not this ain't by his officeness or not officeness. But said on a recording, he was gonna grab a woman by the crotch. Before he got in office. It came to the light that he said that, and he still got in office. And I would like to submit to you that we don't know if after he got in office, he went back and grabbed that crotch. Why? What, what, pastor's out there. No, yeah, I'm out there. I'm out there to pull you in here. Because the world, all, it, all that power is focused on the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life. That's what John said. He said, all this in the world is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and pride of life. So he doesn't grab that crotch. I don't care what you say. He doesn't grab that crotch. He done grabbed grab many a crotch. Because he's the most powerful man in the world. Listen to me. He done grabbed some crotches. Just telling y'all. To our first time visitors, please come back. Maybe I'll be more kind next time. I, but I, you got to get this thing, man. You know, once the cameras go off, those folk act a fool. President Clinton. Is that, is that a good example for us? Everybody look. Oh, I love you. Good, good. Clint, I like Clint. I did not inhale. I did not have sexual relations. Jesus. <laughs> With that, <laughs> y'all better preach up in here. <laughs> With that, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> that one. Most po- example to say Jesus, most powerful man in the world. But his focus was, I better not be caught by myself with Mary. Ooh, because if I do, I just don't know what I was going to do. She's solely a sexy. My meat is to do the will of the one who sent me. When the disciples said, "What? you ain't eating it yet, you don't know. What, I got meat that you know not of. What drives me is not trying to put flesh in its place. What drives me is ensuring that every waking day of my life, from the day that I was born to the day that I gave that life, was to ensure that the will of my father is fulfilled. That's what happens when the word is made flesh. So since the reason Christ came was so that we too could be brothers and sisters uh, uh, that are begotten of the Father, our approach to life must change from how we've been focusing. And I'm not telling you not to be watchful and on your guard. You know there are, listen, there, there might be two or three areas that you got to say, nah, I just, now that, I, I got to guard myself in that. But life ain't trying to get you, man. Who the devil, who the devil, who the devil, who the devil everywhere. You're, 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 okay, here's, here was my point, so I'll close. All that time that Christ spent in corruptible flesh, those 33 years that Jesus, 30, y'all think back to 33 now. Yeah? Yeah? 
Come on, you was entering the prime then. Now. Some of y'all ain't got there yet. Keep on, just keep on living. Some of y'all in your 39, you're feeling yourself mighty good. Right? 33 years. Jesus spent not focusing on how not to. And all of those cravings that he felt, the Bible says that any temptation that we've experienced, he's already experienced it himself. That's why we have a high priest that's not, we don't have a high priest that's not been touched by temptation. He experienced it all, but without sin. Why? Because for 33 years, he was focused on conquering the world as the word, not making sure that the flesh didn't conquer the word. For 33 years, flesh was yielded to word. I want you to think about that. Every temptation that Jesus saw, the word diminished flesh. If I don't help you with nothing else, I'm going to help you overcome the works of the flesh and them cravings. You got to put the word on it. You got to put the word on it. No, No, you got to put the word on it. You got to find what Jesus taught and put that in as your reality and say, no, this is what I'm going to do. Not what I'm not going to do. This is what I'm going to do. If my marriage is rocky, what I'm going to do is, husband, I'm going to love my wife like Christ loved the church. But she get on my nerve. Who wife don't get on their nerve? Why? No, no, no. no, no. Look at <laughs> Keep looking straight, man of God. <laughs> <laughs> look I can't get to the sisters fast enough they done neck rolled and looked you better not say nothing up in the church <laughs> I was about to say who husband don't get on day nerve y'all we from two different whole worlds God almighty this ain't like Old Testament where, you know, they went in, they, uh, you know, Abraham. <laughs> Who was it? <laughs> uh, Abraham. Isaac told, uh, told uh, his son, go find a cousin, down, down in our cousin. You know, you got to find somebody that you can relate to, son. I'm going to tell you, you get one of these sisters down there from a different world, there's going to be some issues. We get on each other's nerves. But the word says, the word doesn't say try not to get on each other's nerves. Come on. God Almighty, y'all making me work today. Maybe I'm just enjoying this or something. Here's what Jesus taught. Another concept that Jesus taught. He says, it is impossible in this life that you don't get offended. So all the people in the world have the potential to offend you. Everybody, every living creature has the potential to offend you. How many times do the one you sleep next to every night? They can offend you every day. Multiple times a day. So, so is the answer, you, no, the answer is not trying not to. The answer is just love, love, love her. You go, your love will, will be misinterpreted, but still that don't mean I'm going to start going nothing no more, everything I do. How many of us been there before? Raise your hand and tell the truth. Every time I do, I just ain't doing nothing no more. Using me. <laughs> no, just love again. Love again. Love again. If you wanted to work, love again. 
Love again. Go lick your wounds. Go be mad. Go, you know, go tell your, your boys about how she just get on your nerve. But be careful now, because you go back and y'all be good, and your boy still think y'all stuck on what you call it. He when, when, she, when she come around, he look like, why you doing my boy like that? What you talking about? Now you got to go again, because you done messed up. And he done, your boy done messed it up for you. <laughs> well, I'm teaching the editor. I'm over my time and everything. I'm helping you today. 33 years, Jesus walked word, not what not to do. He just was doing. He was doing the will of the Father. Watch. Doing the will of the Father brought him persecution. So the word, living the word, is not going to be just peaches and cream now. You're going to have enemies. You're going to have adversaries. But watch. The end of the story of living your life by the word is you win. The end of the story of living life on your own terms is you got to figure out how you're going to be victorious. And you, outside a word, is flesh. And when flesh sinned, it got an expiration date in Genesis 3. But word says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. As we celebrate in this holiday season, let us remember since the word was made flesh, now our flesh can be yielded to the word and we can get benefits from living out life, conquering as word walkers, sons and daughters of God in earth as he desires in heaven. Wow, what a message. What a word, man. I just love God's word. It's so empowering, so impactful. It causes us to be exactly what God wants us to be. I hope you enjoyed that message. As a matter of fact, if you'd like to catch us via our live stream, you can do so by going to our website, www.michaelgrantministries.net, on Sundays at 11.30 a.m. or Tuesdays at 7.15 p.m., both Eastern Standard Time. Until next time, I pray that you stay strong in your faith, and in all that God is speaking in your life, you have exactly what